0: All right. Well, hey, good morning again. Hey, turn. Uh, pull out your note sheet, if you would, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be jumping into our series that we're in called uh, Jesus People. Uh, we're looking throughout this series at the New Testament book of Acts, uh, specifically the first seven or so chapters, really looking at how God used a, a group of ordinary people, just like you and me, to do extraordinary things that how this group changed the world by carrying on the mission and the movement of Jesus Christ. And and that's the big idea for our series that's kind of underlying everything else is that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, why is that so important? Well, because I don't know about you, but there are times where I feel ordinary. There are times where I feel underqualified or unqualified to, to maybe do the things that God's calling me to do. But When I realize that it's not about me, but it's about him, it's crazy how things can change. It's crazy how God can use me and use you when we buy into this idea that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And so I'm so glad you're here. Listen, I know that not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. That maybe you're here because somebody invited you to. Maybe you're here, you got questions about Jesus. You got questions about the Bible, and you're going to have questions today about what we're going to talk about um, and, and I want you to know this, I'm so glad you're here, that, that we want you to be a part of these times and these conversations. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online uh, in our, our live stream, but also in our podcast. We're so glad you're here today as well. You know, God uses ordinary people to be part of extraordinary things. And so to kind of recap, in, in Acts chapter one, we saw this, that Jesus' people are sent, that Jesus' people are sent. That they're sent to do, and we're sent to do, you know, important, incredible things for the Lord. We also look at this, that Jesus' people are prayerful. That they're prayerful. And and when they were praying, God began to do some crazy stuff. Well, then, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I believe probably the most significant thing in the New Testament happened, apart from and second to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That what we're going to talk about today was probably the most important thing that happened in the movement of Jesus, in G, in this, this, this movement of Christianity. And, and so I want you to read this with me. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, let's read this together. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish holiday, a Jewish feast and festival. So being Jewish, they were all together on this specific day, And they were praying, there's about 120 followers of Jesus at this time, and they were praying when suddenly that Tuesday or Wednesday or Saturday was no longer the average Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday. Something kind of crazy happened. Let's read this together. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I've been a part of a lot of prayer meetings growing up in the church and being a pastor. I've been a part of a lot of services like this. Never experienced that. I've never had everybody just kind of stop because a hurricane started blowing through the room, right? Right? Like, I've never been kind of preaching, all of a sudden I start seeing tongues of fire, right? Like, you know, out in front of people and on top of people's heads and stuff like that. And so this is one of those stories in the Bible, especially if you're you're kind of new to faith or you're not sure about faith, but you look at it and you go, see, that's what I have a hard time believing. Like, that's where I struggle. Like, this wind comes out, tongues of fire appear, and what's that all about? Well, here's what was happening. That was the Holy Spirit of God coming upon these people. Now I mentioned the word Holy Spirit. And as soon as I mentioned the word Holy Spirit, I know there's some different reactions in the room, right? Because maybe you're like me and you grew up in a a conservative, maybe a Baptist church or a Methodist church, you know, Presbyterian, something like that. and, And you didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Like you talked about him, but you didn't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what those other churches did, right? Or maybe you grew up in the church you grew up in, and you talked about the Holy Spirit all the time. And you're like, yeah, I was one of those other churches, right? Or maybe you're, you're kind of like, you know, maybe you're here and you didn't grow up in church. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you're kind of like, I don't even really know exactly what you're talking about. See, we all bring certain perceptions to the Bible sometimes. We all bring certain, you know, certain prejudices at times or certain thoughts at times. And, and But regardless of what your background is, you can't deny the fact That the Holy Spirit of God, especially in this passage, is something that we can't ignore. We can't ignore him. So, So, what's happening here? Well, they're gathered together, they're praying, and the Bible says that suddenly the sound like a violent wind came through. Now, I think wind is a great way, and the Bible talks about the Spirit of God in wind in different places because it's a great analogy. Because you you can't see the wind like you can't see the Holy Spirit, but you can feel the effects and experience the wind the same way you can experience and feel the effects of the Holy Spirit. And then it says these tongues of fire appear over people, right? Well, there's symbolism that's important to understand in in this story. See, tongues, tongues is this idea of proclamation, this idea of speaking. And Jesus says, we're going to look at it in a minute, that when the Holy Spirit came upon these people, that they would go and testify, they would go and speak to what Jesus had done in their life. And fire in the Bible is always representative of the, the purifying presence of God. So as, as all this kind of weird stuff was happening, it all had a point. It all was signifying what God was doing. And then it says that they began to speak in, in, in other tongues and other languages, now, we'll talk more about this next week because it's it's important as we're going to continue. But 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 just for today, when it talks about languages, it's talking about actual languages. So it's like somebody who doesn't speak Spanish beginning to speak Spanish. Somebody who doesn't speak French beginning to speak French. And it had a purpose, and we'll talk more about that next time. But But here's the thing I want to focus on today. Because in the midst of all this spectacular stuff that's happening, this loud wind, tongues of fire, people speaking different languages they don't know, there's an important characteristic that we see about Jesus' people about these followers of Jesus. And it's this, write this down. Jesus' people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' people are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then the Holy Spirit filled them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was, this, it's an incredible, incredible event. And it was an event that, that changed them and, and really changed the course of everything else that was going on. See, Jesus said, if we go back in a couple, a couple of verses, a couple chapters, Jesus in Acts chapter 1 told them this was going to happen. He said, listen, I'm sending you out to be part of this incredible mission, to be part of this incredible movement, to go and make a difference in this world. I'm sending you out, but until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, I want you to wait. No, he said it like this. He said, on one occasion, Acts 1, 4 through 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. This is talking about the Holy Spirit, for which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, talking about John the Baptist, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they were waiting for this to come. And when the Holy Spirit showed up and the Holy Spirit filled them, it was like the starting gun. It was like the green light. It was like, okay, now it's time to go and do what you've been commanded to do. It's time to go. It's not time to wait. Now it's time to go because you've been filled with the Spirit and the powers now come upon you. So I want you to go live your life because Jesus' people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why is that so important? Now, I want you to write this down because this is pretty good. I don't have a blank for it, but just trying to write this down. Why is the Holy Spirit so important for us to focus on today? Why is it so important for us to talk about? Because the Spirit makes possible what is impossible without Him. The Spirit makes possible what is impossible without Him. See, the reason why Jesus said, I want you to wait before you go and do ministry, I want you to wait before, before the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He knew this. That without the Holy Spirit, they couldn't live the life that God was calling them to live. Without the Holy Spirit, they couldn't do the stuff that God was calling them to get, to, to do. Without the Holy Spirit, they were going to lack the power. They were going to lack the presence of God. They weren't going to be able to live this out because the Holy Spirit makes possible what is impossible without Him. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. As Jesus ascended back to heaven, it's like the Holy Spirit of God descended And God's Spirit now fills the lives of Jesus' people. And God's Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, the Holy Spirit has filled your life. Now, we talk about that, and kind of once again, we go back to maybe our experience because maybe, you know, your experience has been, you know, well, I didn't really grow up, like I said, talking about the Holy Spirit much. And the Holy Spirit can be this mysterious, even sometimes maybe kind of scary, kind of, kind of freaky thing because, you know, maybe you grew up in a church where they talked about the Holy Ghost, right? Now, when I was growing up, a ghost was a bad thing, right? Like you were, if it wasn't Casper, you were scared of ghosts, Right? And so the pastor talking about, man, we pray the Holy Ghost would show up here. And I'm like, I don't want the Holy Ghost to show up here. Right? And maybe that's kind of your experience. It's like this mysterious kind of thing. Or maybe you've been in a church where you feel like the Holy Spirit's been used to manipulate people. Like you, you see, you know kind of this pressure around the spirit and, and doing things and it's like you need the spirit, so go do this, go do this, and and if you if you can't do this and you don't have the spirit and you want the spirit and you're like, I, I don't really understand this whole spirit kind of thing, or maybe you're like, the only thing I know about the Holy Spirit is there's some dude on Facebook in videos that sometimes is on like those channels that nobody watches on TV, and he's got like a he's got his coat off and he's a preacher and he keeps smacking people with it, and people falling out. Right? And you're like, okay, if that's the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure I want much to do with that. But see, the Holy Spirit is so important for us to understand. So here's what I want to do today. Because Jesus' people are filled with the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, we can't live the life that Jesus is calling us to live. Because without the Holy Spirit, everything that God wants us to do is impossible in our own strength. We need to understand the Holy Spirit. We need to set aside our preconceived notions, set aside our ideas, set aside maybe our hesitations, set aside these things that we're kind of, you know, we're not quite certain about, and go back to what does the Bible teach us about who the Holy Spirit is? What does the Bible teach us about what the Holy Spirit does? And what does the Bible teach us about how we have this power in our life? Because I guarantee you this, that even if you're a follower of Jesus today, there are times in your life, and this may be one season you're in, where you don't feel very powerful. You don't feel powerful. And when, and when you go back and you read things like this happening, and you read about what people did because of the power of the Holy Spirit, you look at what the Bible says and you look at your life and you think there's a disconnect here. Or it says that the Holy Spirit enabled the church, enabled people to do this. And you look at maybe the church you're a part of and the services that you go to and you're kind of like, it doesn't seem that what the Bible says necessarily matches up with what I'm experiencing personally. And if you've ever had that thought, you're not alone. Francis Chan is is an author and a pastor. He's best known for a book called Crazy Love. And I know we've had some of our, our life groups do, do that study, or maybe you've read that book. But he has another book that's not quite as popular as that, but it's a book called Forgotten God. And it's a book that he wrote talking about the Holy Spirit. Because he kind of felt the same way that maybe you feel today. Is I, I hear about the Holy Spirit, I, I read about the Holy Spirit, but then I'm having a hard time seeing the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm having a hard time seeing how the Holy Spirit in the Bible is kind of the same Holy Spirit that I have. And here's what he said, here's this quote that I want I want to share with you. He said, there's a big gap between what we read in scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. He says, I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish accomplish human-sized results. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. He says, listen, that when we read about the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit is the the person, he's the reason, he's the catalyst that enabled these Jesus people to do everything we're going to study that they did. So let's talk about this. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? Well, a couple things. Number one is this is the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God three in one. Now you're like, that's probably the most confusing answer I've ever been given, right? But let's just kind of track with me a little bit. That the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God three in one. All right. Now let's kind of just, I know it's early. I know it's Sunday. Some of you guys were up watching college football late last night, but let's just kind of focus in just a little bit, right? The, the Bible teaches this, that God's character, who God is, is one God with three persons, three expressions. God the Father, God the Son, God the God the Holy Spirit. Some of you, when you, as you grew up, you ended your prayers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so you've got this idea of God is one, but God is also three. And the, and the Holy Spirit is one of the co-equal Godheads in what we call the Trinity. Now, now why is that important? Well, namely a couple things. Number one, it's important because the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit is something that we can know personally, someone we can know personally, that that's who the Holy Spirit is. But also that the Holy Spirit is co-equal. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit represents God, and God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are all God. Now, now people are trying to come up with ways to help us understand this, and so they say, well, what? About, maybe this is like a good analogy, that God's like 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 water. You know, the properties of water, right? You have you have solid, you have liquid, and you have gas. There are three different expressions of water, but it's all water, right? Okay, it's, it's kind of a good way to think about it. Other people talk about God is like an egg, right? Well, an egg has an egg shell, it has the egg white, and it has the egg yolk. Now, they can all be separated, they're all different, but they're all an egg. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but here's what we gotta just come to understand, is God is not like anything. God is his own thing. So every analogy is going to fall somewhat short, but it's okay for us to try to grab onto this because we've got to understand this, that there are certain parts about God, certain aspects about God that we're never going to fully, fully be able to understand 100%. That's why we need faith. But God has revealed enough truth about himself that we can put faith in that in a way that changes our life. So... The Holy Spirit is God, God three in one, part of the Trinity. Second thing is this, the Holy Spirit, as he operates within the Trinity, is God's presence specifically in the life of believers. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in the life of a believer, right? It's it's, it's God's presence in those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who put our faith and our trust in him. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 6 through 7. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, I kind of pause because here's where we're at an example of where we see the Trinity in action. You have Jesus, the Son, saying that he's praying to the Father, asking the Father to send the Spirit. Another example of of when we see this happening is the example of of, of the the baptism of Jesus. Where it says that Jesus was was baptized and when Jesus, not because he needed forgiveness from sin, but just because he wanted to give the example of what what he called us to do in in being his followers. It says that when he came out of the water... You have Jesus, the Son. There, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and the voice of the Father says, "This is my Son, whom I will please." So you've, you've got this, and Jesus is saying, though, okay, listen, I'm going to ask the Father to send the Spirit of Truth. It says the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans; I will come to you. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in the life of believers. Now why is this so important? Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter if you, if you feel like everybody has abandoned you in your life, God never leaves you. God is always with you. His presence is there when everybody else has turned their back on you. And it's so important to know that we, we don't have to go to a place to experience God. We experience God and can't experience God wherever we are, because God's presence is in us. So the Holy Spirit is, is God, part of the Trinity. It's His presence in our life in a personal experience, experiential way. But it's also the Holy Spirit is also God's power in our life. It's God's power in our life. He's God's power in us. Acts one eight, Jesus said, "But you'll receive." power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, this is the same power that spoke creation into existence. This is the same power, right, that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the same power that Jesus used to heal people physically in his ministry. This is the same power that Jesus used to to get, grant people peace and to comfort people, that the Holy Spirit is God in us, empowering us to the Holy Spirit is. Well, so what exactly does the Holy Spirit do though? Because if we know he's God, he's, he's in us and, and he is, is God's power for us. Well, how does the Holy Spirit work this power out? Well, it, it goes to this, that when the Holy Spirit comes in a life, in our life, he brings power. He empowers us. Now, it's important to kind of look at this. I know I'm teaching a little bit more today, but it's important to understand this because when you look at the Old Testament, before Acts chapter 2, before these four verses, the Holy Spirit was alive and active, but God used the Holy Spirit in a little different way than God uses the Holy Spirit today. So maybe you're reading in the the Old Testament and you're kind of like, well, it seems like the Holy Spirit was used a little differently here than when I read about what what the Bible says in the New Testament after Acts chapter 2. And if you thought that, you're right. And so what's the difference? Well, before Acts chapter 2, before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came to dwell in all believers, God used the Holy Spirit to empower particular people, times, and tasks. So God used the Holy Spirit to empower particular people at particular times for a particular task. So the Spirit of God did not dwell within people who believed in God, but God would empower them through the Holy Spirit. Here's an example. Judges chapter 15, verse 14 and 15 tells the story of a guy named Samson. Samson was a a leader of, of the Israelite people that God sent to help deliver them From their enemies. And Samson was empowered by the Holy Spirit, specifically in physical strength. And so on one occasion, here's what we see. Judges 15, 14 and 15. As he, talking about Samson, approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. Now the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. They were the oppressors of Israel. And so Samson's actually kind of tied up at this point. And it says this, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. So God gave him this, this power to break out of the, the chains and the ropes that were around him. And it says, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. This is one example of the Bible saying the Holy Spirit empowered Samson, a specific person at a specific time and for a specific task. Now, not every time the Holy Spirit empowers somebody in the Old Testament was for, for violence, okay? Right? Like the, the Holy Spirit empowered people to do all kinds of things. There's a story earlier of, of God's people wanting to, to build a tabernacle, to kind of build a portable church for, for God's presence to, to dwell with them when they, were, when they were wandering through the wilderness. And it says that God filled this specific artist with the skill that they needed to to build this and to 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 to, to create this portable church. But God empowered but specific people, specific times, specific tasks. But now the Bible tells us this that after Acts chapter two, after these four verses, after this happened, that the Bible says that that, that the Holy Spirit Now empowers all believers, empowers all believers beginning at salvation for life. The Holy Spirit empowers all believers at salvation for life. Let's kind of break this down. Number one, all believers. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in and empowers everyone who has put their faith and their trust in Jesus, look what Jesus said himself in John chapter seven it says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive up until that time, the spirit had not been given to him since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So these were people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit filled them. But Jesus says this, that whoever believes in me, the only prerequisite to have God's spirit dwelling in your life is to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. See, not every church teaches that. And I want to be clear about this. I want to be clear about what I believe, what we as a church believe, is that the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, at that moment of salvation, At that very moment, the Spirit of God comes to dwell within your life. It doesn't come later. It doesn't come if you have enough faith later in your life. It doesn't come if you do a certain amount of things in your life. That the Holy Spirit of God from that moment comes into your life. In Galatians 3, 2, Paul says this, that you receive the Spirit because you believe the message heard about Christ. That is what gets the Spirit in your life. So if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, right now, where you sit, the Spirit of God is living in you. The Spirit of God is always with you. And the Spirit of God is there empowering you. Empowering you since the very moment of your salvation and will empower you for your entire life. We cannot lose the Holy Spirit of God and God's presence in our life. It's God's grace that put him there and it's God's grace that keeps him there. And you and I need to understand that because if we feel like God's spirit is not with us, then it's gonna change the way that we live. Now we'll talk in a minute because it's possible to have the spirit in our life and not live in its power. But I want you to know this. As a follower of Jesus, God's spirit is in your heart right now. He's in your life right now. And he's there permanently. Ephesians 1, 13-14 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, at the moment of salvation, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of His glory, saying this that you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in you until Jesus returns, and you need to understand that. Because here is what Peter says about the Holy Spirit in our life: says by His divine power, whose power? God's power. How is God's power expressed to us through the Holy Spirit? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. I want you to listen to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And God has given you, through the Holy Spirit, everything you need to live for God. The Holy Spirit inside of you has given you the hope that you need because life seems hopeless right now. The Holy Spirit inside of you has given you the presence of God when you feel like nobody else cares. The Holy Spirit of God has given you power over those temptations and addictions that you feel powerless to stop doing the Holy Spirit of God has given you a, a hope that goes beyond any situation. The Holy Spirit of God has given you a peace that you can't find anywhere else. The Holy Spirit of God has given you, has given you power, the power that you need to do what God has called you to do. That's why God uses and how God uses ordinary people to be part of and do extraordinary things. And church, we can sit back and feel like we're powerless We can feel like we're helpless, we can feel like we're defeated, we can feel like we're oppressed, we can feel like all these things, but until we realize, and if we realize, that God has given you all you need for life and godliness, you no longer have to sit back, but you can stand up in that promise, and you can begin to live for God. And the hope you need is the hope you'll have. The power you need is the power you'll have. The peace you need is the peace that God can give you. The healing that you need is something that you can trust God for. You know, and it doesn't mean he's going to necessarily heal you now, but it means that God will heal me now or he will heal me in eternity. But God never leaves us and God has his presence in you. So if I'm sitting back and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, okay, this is who God, this is who the Holy Spirit is. It's God's presence. It's God's power in my life. And it's, it's power that's there to, to empower me to live for him. Well, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, how do I get some of that, right? I mean, how do I access what's going on? Because, because here, here's, here's where we struggle, right? I, I'm with you in this. I feel this way sometimes. It's, I believe that, but then I don't feel powerful. I believe that, but I don't feel like I have that power. I believe that, but I don't I don't feel his presence. See, it's possible for believers to, to live with the Spirit of God in their life, but not live by the Spirit of God in their life. It's possible for, for the Spirit to reside in us but for us to live our lives as though he doesn't reside in us. So how do we get that power? How do we access these promises? You know, how, how, do we, how do we find what, what we see God doing in the lives of people all throughout history? Well, two things. Number one, for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing we have to do is we have to turn from sin and trust in Jesus. We have to turn from sin and trust in Jesus. If you've never given your heart and your life to him, if you've never confessed your sin to him, admitted your sin to him, admitted your helplessness to him to to find eternity and, and to please God on your own, and if you've never turned to Jesus and put your faith and trust in him, just like Kyle did here this morning, Or just like Kyle represented here this morning. Then you are powerless because the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your life. Because the only way that the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within us is to turn from our sin and put our trust in Jesus. Peter said it this way in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only way for the Spirit of God to dwell in our life is to turn from sin and trust in Jesus. And then once that Holy Spirit is there, to live in the fullness of His power, we have to daily surrender to God. We have to surrender our life to God every single day. Because, see, as a believer, the Spirit's there. But we don't always live in that power. I heard somebody explain this like this one time, and every analogy falls apart at a certain point, but I think this is a good one. So it's kind of like a pilot light. Maybe you have gas appliances, a gas stove, or a gas furnace. We had one growing up. And I remember, you know, you you would light the—our dad, I didn't—I wasn't allowed to have matches, but you would light the pilot light. And that pilot light stayed on. It was always lit. It it was always there, right? But it didn't really do a lot. Because in order for the the furnace to heat or the, the oven to bake, you had to give that light a certain amount of fuel, Right? And then when you gave the light the fuel, the power of that light expanded. The house was heated. The the, the oven was was, was baking. And it's kind of like that with the Holy Spirit. See, as a believer, the Spirit of God is in you. That light is always there. It's always lit. It can never be blown out. But the true power of that light, the true power of the spirit has to be fueled. It has to be turned on. It has to be given. It has to be, has to be given a surrendering of us to say, God, I want you to empower that spirit in me. See, it's interesting. In Ephesians 5:8. The the Apostle Paul says this, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you take Acts chapter 2, where it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, then you see Paul's command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it can be a little confusing. You know, am I filled with the Holy Spirit, or is that something I need to be doing? But when you go back and you look at the context and the wording that he used, it was actually a different command. Being filled with the Spirit, it means that the the Spirit of God is there. But what Paul's talking about is not just being filled with the Spirit, but it's, it's living in the power of the Spirit. Daily allowing the Spirit to fill us to the full. Because it's possible for us to not live by the Spirit. Look what he says in Ephesians 4.30. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed from their redemption. So there's a way we can grieve the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians five nineteen says, do not quench the Spirit. Well, what grieves the Spirit? What quenches the Spirit? What, what minimizes that, that, that light that's there, that power that exists within us? It's sin in our life. It's us, even though we've given our life to Jesus, saying, yeah, today I, I'm going to live for me. Even though we've said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive my sin. And he's done that. It's coming back around and saying, yeah, but I want to embrace this sin today. See, if we don't daily surrender to what God wants to do in and through our life, how the Holy Spirit wants to empower us and lead us in our life, then we minimize the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, 16, Paul says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit. See, if we want to be filled with the Spirit, we've got to turn from sin and turn to Jesus. And then the Spirit now is lit in our life. It's there. But if we want to live in the power of the Spirit, we've got to surrender to what God wants to do to fuel the Spirit of God in our life. That we've got to begin to live in obedience. We've got to begin to live saying no to sin. And and here's what's so cool about that, is God says, I've given you the power and the Spirit to do that. So if you'll surrender... So what I want to do, I'll begin to do what I want to do in your life. But if you won't surrender, then all that's going to happen in you is simply what you want to do. And what God wants to do in our life is always better than what we want to do in our life. What God wants to do in our life is always more of a blessing than what we want to do in our life. Because God knows what's best. God has the power to make possible through the Holy Spirit that which without him is impossible. And the reason why these Jesus people were able to do everything that we see them doing was because they were surrendered to God. They had turned from sin, trusted in Jesus, had been filled with the Spirit, and they surrendered to the Spirit daily in their life. And that's why they were ordinary people who God was was able to use in extraordinary ways. I'll end with this verse. I I love it. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. We'll we'll get there in a couple of weeks. But I want to just kind of foreshadow it. It says this, that when they, talking about the crowd, saw the courage of Peter and John, two leaders of these early Christians, two that had been there, right, on that day, who had been filled with the Holy Spirit, who were surrendering, not being perfect, but daily surrendering their life to God's plans for them. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They saw in their life what God can do when ordinary people are filled and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question I want to ask you today, kind of our takeaway. Are you living filled with the Spirit? Are you living filled with the Spirit? Have you turned from sin in your life and have you trusted Jesus? Have you made the decision that that, that Kyle made to believe in Jesus and who he was and who he is? And then to trust him with your life. And then are you daily surrendering to God and what he wants to do? And what he says your life needs to be all about? See, the Holy Spirit makes possible what is impossible without him in our life. And it might be the reason why you feel powerless is because you're not surrendering. It might be the reason you don't feel God's presence in your life is because you put something else in the way and you need to remove that sin, remove that pride, remove that that selfishness. But if you will turn from sin and trust in Jesus and if you'll daily surrender to what God wants to do, that light of the Holy Spirit inside of us will not just be a little flame, but will blaze in us in such a way that God will use you and use me to do far more than we could ever possibly imagine. Are you living that life today? Let's pray together. Father God, I come in this moment and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you that you've given us as believers your presence. And God, that presence is empowering to us. But God, we need to choose to to live in that power. To trust you to give us the power we need to live for you. We need to surrender. Surrender our sins. Surrender our plans that are not yours. Surrender our, our reliance on ourselves instead of you. Surrender our situations that maybe we can't control. And so, God, I pray in these moments together that we would respond the way you're leading us to in our hearts. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder this is there someone here today who you've never made that decision to turn from sin and turn to Jesus? I'm not saying you're not a good person. I'm not saying maybe you don't go to church. I'm not saying maybe you didn't grow up in church, but. You know in your heart right now that that that's not what you're experiencing because you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you in this moment, I just want to lead you in a prayer so you can make this decision and you can be changed right now. Pray this prayer to Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, I admit to you my sin. I admit to you that I've lived my life my own way. But Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you love me enough to die on the cross. I believe that you took all the sin and the punishment for it. And I believe you rose from the grave. Jesus, from this day forward, I commit to you. I trust you. Forgive my sin. Give me eternal life. Fill me now with your spirit. In Jesus' name, if you prayed that prayer in this moment, I believe that God's spirit has come to dwell within you, and he's made you new, and he wants to continue to make you new as you surrender to him. But for those who are already followers of Jesus, if you're not living in that power and you're not feeling that presence, would you surrender to him today? God, we give you this time as we sing, as we pray, as we respond. Have your way in us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to him.